0: The pandemic, I would submit, tested the breadth and depth of our relationships. Specifically, we've moved away. We're shifting from breadth to depth. Think about it a second. From a purely practical manner, we had everyone's office phone numbers. If they're not going into the office, how did you get in touch with them? Unless you had a relationship with them that you had more than just that what I call the directory information, it was a challenge. Just like it was a challenge for any new company or think about it, a startup without that brand recognition to try to get into a new door this past year because you didn't have the relationship depth there. We also used to equate busy work with value added relationships. Think about it. We used to have a whole bunch of meals and coffee visits and right activity. And in 2019, I was on the road 208 days. This past year in 2020, I was on the road 22 days. Somehow, we all equated getting on a plane or going to that lunch or going to that coffee, those touches with value add. And one of the things we learned was we had to figure out how to influence when you can't physically be there together. And you had to figure out which relationships you have had mutual value versus which ones that were... Transactional contacts. Hi there, this is David Noor. Welcome to the third season of the Curvebenders podcast. I'm so excited after years of research and interviews and due diligence on this topic to finally be able to publish Curve Curvebenders this year. It'll be my 11th book as a follow on to Relationship Economics and Co Create vendors in essence, are your strategic relationships that enable your nonlinear growth in the future. Our research points to 15 forces that we believe will dramatically impact the future of how you'll work, how you'll live, how you'll play, and how you'll give. The global pandemic is just one example. So how will you remain relevant if more disruption will come at us more often with potentially far greater impact? In each episode, I want to share with you insights, great ideas from guests I've invited to join us, as well as practical ideas in the evolution of your skills, your knowledge, your behaviors, and most importantly, what I believe is your biggest asset, which is your portfolio of relationships. I call those relationships your curve benders. So let's get started. Let me ask you three quick questions. Number one, what lessons did you learn this past year from the global pandemic when it comes to your relationships? What went well and where did you struggle? Number two, how are you showing up digitally? Because I believe even with a bio solution, our digital presence, our digital footprints is not going to go away. As a matter of fact, I believe it will get amplified. Number three, how will you apply How will you identify, nurture, and capitalize on your most valuable asset, your portfolio of relationships this new year to drive your performance, execution, and results? On this episode of the Curvebenders podcast, I'm going to talk about 2020 observations and the seven sequence of your strategic relationships in 2021. Hi, everybody. David Noor. I want to welcome you to, boy, season three of the Curvebenders podcast. This is episode 44. And I thought I'd talk about, share some ideas and perspectives on two things. This crazy past year, this incredibly tumultuous 2020 Uh, that many of us survived. We're just happy to get beyond. And specifically, some observations around our relationships. And then I want to share with you this idea of seven sequence. Focus on your strategic relationships to drive your performance, your execution, your results in 2021. If you've uh, heard me speak, if you've Watch me present if you've attended any of our interactive online roundtables or discussions. You know I'm a content presenter, so I'm going to share a lot of ideas and perspectives. My suggestion, my counsel, my coaching to you is hopefully listen to this podcast in a quiet place. This year in particular, don't put stuff off if it's important enough listen to it, interact with, engage with, not just this podcast, but any content you consume, one of the things I want for you this year is what I call a lean information diet. My uh, handsome and, uh, and workout buff son, who's working out, I'm convinced, once or twice a day, is proactively not just working out, but watching what he eats. Because one of the things we figured as a family is it's a lot easier not to put it in than try to work it off. So likewise, what information are you consuming? And is that a lean diet? And are you intentional about it? Like you, I get a whole bunch of newsletters. And over the years, I've been under the assumption that, you know, I'll just put them in a folder and I'll get to them at some point. And my good friend, uh, Michael Bungay-Stanier, just reminded me that that someday never comes. So my goal for you, a goal for myself, is subscribe to fewer things that are of interest, of value to you, but make the commitment to immediately act on them, right? I'm going to take 10 minutes. I'm going to take 15 minutes. In this case, half an hour for this podcast. I'm going to proactively listen to this content, which then leads to number two. Come up with a journal, Come up with a physical low-tech journal. Come up with a digital one. I use an iPad and a note-taking uh, app. But it doesn't, doesn't matter what you use. But a significant amount of adult learning research shows that not just when we consume, not just when we internalize, not just when we hear or observe something, but when we capture it, it gets reinforced, And by the way, I found a fascinating research that says if you want anything to be remembered or repeated, it needs to be reinforced seven times. That's right, seven times. So not just I hear it once or I think about it or I capture it, but which then leads to the third one, nonlinear growth, which is a big part of my focus this year, is about how do we learn more? How do we learn it faster and how do we immediately apply that which we learn into some sort of context? Because if you do that, learn more, learn it faster, right, more relevant, and immediately apply it to some sort of context, it tends to resonate more. And I believe, and I've written in my latest book, Curve Vendors, that disruption will come at us at not only at an accelerated pace, and it'll have a deeper impact in our lives. And the only way to remain relevant is to accelerate that learning, that growth, and that adaptability to whatever comes at us, right? So uh, the commitment I want you to make, again, uh, be proactive, be intentional, carve out the time to consume a lean information diet, number one. Number two, keep a journal. Some sort of a journal, physical, digital, doesn't matter, but capture the key ideas, key learnings from any content you consume. And number three, find opportunities to immediately put it to use. So I'm also going to start wrapping up and summarizing each of these podcasts with what I call the norm notes. So in three minutes or less, I'll summarize action items that you can hopefully take away and implement. So here we go with 2020 strategic relationship observations. And then I'm going to talk about the seven sequence in your strategic relationships next, next year. So big idea number one, the pandemic, I would submit, tested the breadth and depth of our relationships. So, specifically, right, we've moved away. We're shifting from breadth to depth. Think about it a second. From a purely practical manner, we had everyone's office phone numbers. If they're not going into the office, how did you get in touch with them? Unless you had their cell phone number, right? unless you had a relationship with them that you had more than just that, what I call the directory information, right? It was a challenge. Just like it was a challenge for any new company or think about a startup, right? Without that brand recognition to try to get into a new door this past year, right? Because you didn't have the relationship depth there. We also used to equate busy work with value-added relationships. Think about it. We used to have a whole bunch of meals and coffee visits and right activity. And in 2019, I was on the road 208 days. This past year in 2020, I was on the road 22 days. Somehow, we all equated getting on a plane or going to that lunch or going to that coffee, those touches with value-add. And one of the things we learned was we had to figure out how to influence when you can't physically be there together. One of the fascinating aspects of this global pandemic for me was it wasn't just regional. It wasn't just one industry. It was it happened everywhere to everybody. So it in many ways it leveled the playing field. And you had to figure out which relationships you have had mutual value versus which ones that were transactional contacts. And in many ways, it forced people to focus on fewer relationships, but really deepen those relationships. When the pandemic first hit, I literally sat down, and made a list of my top 100 most relevant relationships. A lot of them existing clients, a lot of them immediate kind of past clients, a lot of them friends, business colleagues, friends, part of the Marshall Goldsmith, kind of MG100 community, some of the thinkers, 50 global thinkers. But these are my most valuable relationships. And I have started calling them. This relic we used to have called a telephone, right? And and call them and just reached out and say, not, not trying to sell them anything, and just simply asking, how are you doing? And what are you seeing? And what are you hearing? And what are you doing? And what are you suggesting to your relationships. And March and April, in all candor, I think for most of us was kind of scary because of the uncertainty and a whole bunch of unknowns. And as you saw, most people cut back, right? They took a defensive posture. And then something changed in May, in June, where I saw some of my most forward-thinking relationships. Some of the incredible PNL leaders I respect immensely, begin to take offensive approaches. You know what, this thing, we don't know what it is, but it's gonna be with us for a while. And we've gotta figure out how to live with it. We first had a shock to our supply chain. Now the shock is to demand because everybody's put the brakes on. We cannot survive much less thrive by just cutting. I don't know a business that can cut its way to growth. So it was fascinating to see some forward thinking leaders take an offensive approach and say, you know what? We're still going to be cautious, but you know what? We're going to be optimistic, and we're going to make certain bets, knowing that none of us can pick the winners, but we're going to go make some prudent bets. And you know what I saw? You probably saw the same. Competitive peers setting themselves apart. Because they made those prudent bets. And it started to manifest itself in summer, August, September, October. By November, you're hearing people having a phenomenal year. One of my clients grew by 36% this past year. Another one, 28%. Another 24%. Year-over-year growth. And these are mature companies in mature industries had some of their best years Ever. So that COVID tailwind, not only was real, but it came from fewer relationships. It came from a deeper investment in those real authentic relationships. It came from asking a lot of great questions about how are you doing, and what are you doing, and what are you seeing, and how are you able to think and lead differently? And pre-pandemic, a friend of mine says that was B.C., before COVID, versus A.C., after COVID. So in the B.C. world, that relationship could have just been a, a contact and a transaction. And yeah, I'm going to get on a plane and go to New York, or go to L.A. and go see them. And yeah, they'll, they'll buy from me periodically. And it was a transaction. In the after-COVID world, A.C. world, you know what? I want to invest an intentional choice to invest in fewer, deeper, more authentic, more strategic relationships. So the environment forced people to become more intentional with their relationships. Big idea number two, which I I think will carry nicely over from the first one, which is I believe your digital relationship mindset, skill set and tool set will set you apart. So let let me take those one at a time. Mindset. You know, I've been doing, you know, webinars and, you know, I had a webcam and all that stuff for about a decade or so. But collectively, most of us were not in a video culture. And guess what we had to do as soon as we couldn't travel or get in a car or a plane and go see people? Yeah, we start to all amplify our video presence. So I would submit the way you show up digitally is your brand. Now, if you've been on a zoom session with me or uh, more recently I'm doing live streams on Facebook and YouTube and right consistently the the feedback from folks is, "Oh, I love you look 3D I love they're commenting on my 4k camera, and my kids make fun of me because I've got two big monitors in front of me and lighting and microphone, and they're like, "Dad, can you launch a SpaceX uh, you know rocket with, with that setup right But I believe that digital. And how I show up consistently will elevate my brand. And when this thing hit, and I quickly figured out that, you know what? I wasn't going to get on the road. And I wasn't going to be on stage because people were not gathering in person. I doubled down on digital. I worked with a firm. And we ordered a whole bunch of equipment. Wife was asking, how many boxes are going to actually show up from Amazon on a daily basis? But we ordered a whole bunch of stuff. And I built a full kind of video production studio. And, right? Because... That's now your window to the world. So for those that are still using that webcam built into our laptops and your videos coming up your nostrils or, you know, you've got a really bright background that makes you look like you're in a witness protection program. How are you showing up digitally on a daily basis? This is the time to double down on that digital because even I believe, even when we have a bio solution to this pandemic, Digital is not going to go away. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to get amplified. So how are you showing up? And what does that brand promise when you have that digital first mindset? Again, most of us are not getting in our cars or on planes and going out to meet physically people. Now, we're, as human beings, we're tactile. We need that connection. I don't think that human interaction, human connection is ever going to go away. But the same token, I believe most of what we do, this idea of work from anywhere, this idea of digital first is here to stay. And I'm trying to tell you, I've got clients who are not renewing their office building leases on multiple floors because they've realized 60%, 80% of our workforce does not physically need to come back to an office or they're going to come back to a, a hot spot, a hotel kind of like setting where you're, it's a shared space. So the mindset you have to shift to a video culture and show up proactively. Number two, skill set. Asking great questions. I'm a huge fan of Hal Gregerson, a previous guest on this podcast, and, and his, the whole idea of the power of questions. And I'm a fan of Drucker, who said there's very few things as useless or point blank dangerous than the right answers to the wrong questions. So the common thread in in those who build phenomenal digital relationships is they ask fantastic questions. And if you think about it, those fantastic questions often come from your due diligence, having done your homework on that individual, on that company, on that industry before that next call, getting an update. Are you following the social media channels of your top relationships? Are you Googling them periodically? Do you have alerts set up for their companies or their, right? Is there an internal newsletter or an internal discussion so you can kind of see what people are up to? Do you have other relationships in that group that can shed some light on what Joe or Beth or Sam have been up to lately? Do you understand their mood or their priorities or what else is going on with them before you get on that next call? because I don't believe we make enough time for due diligence before we reach out to people. I was talking to a colleague yesterday, and we want to work with a a new client that they reached out in December and we talked about reconnecting. And it turns out their big annual conference is end of January, right? And this year, like anybody else and a lot of other people, they're having to do it virtually. So I'm just not convinced this is the right time to add to their plate. So we, we, made a, we made a tickler. We made a point of, you know what, let's circle back with them second week of February and ask, how did your annual event go? Because me trying to add to their plate while their hair's on fire at the moment is just not prudent. By the way, uh, social science, sociologists call that being ambient aware. The more knowledgeable you become about your relationships, the more proactively you can manage them, you can nurture them. So mindset, digital skill set, right? Asking great questions, better questions, create a library or create a Word document or Google Doc or something of some of your best questions. Right now is a brilliant time to ask people, what did they learn? What were the top lessons from this past year? What will they choose to do differently in the post-pandemic world? How were they able to maneuver their capabilities? What relationships did they find most valuable, most impactful in their efforts this past year? If they benefited from COVID tailwind, why? If they faced headwind or turbulence, how did they maneuver? How did they adapt? How did they shift? You remember playing dodgeball as as kids? We never stood still when that ball was coming at us. We moved. So most people figured out how to move. If I'm not traveling, if I'm not delivering a keynote on stage somewhere, how do I bring those capabilities to my clients, to my relationships digitally? And I've got several virtual keynotes scheduled this month. Finally is tool set. As I mentioned earlier, people are kind enough to comment on my 4K camera. And by the way, it's set up on a rig at eye level and it's focused. And you know what their comment is? It's professional and my background isn't some you know, weird virtual green screen thing where your shoulder disappears as you <laughs> kind of move in your chair. It's actually a bookshelf and a banner that I ordered and and an example of our strategy visualization work over one shoulder. And again, a brand new banner of, of the new book Curvebenders over my other shoulder. That's being intentional. That's in essence your digital merchandising, your digital display because that's what people see on that camera. So if you're really curious about how to create more engagement, how to create a deeper immersion, how do you create more or greater experiences for people you engage digitally, it all comes back to becoming more intentional. Not just talking about collaboration, but demonstrating it through your digital footprint. If 2020 was the year we became, by the way, in awe of, and we embraced a whole bunch of digital tools. I believe 2021 will be the year of discerning technology optimism. Whereas this past year, we gravitated towards anything that worked. This next year, we're going to gravitate towards quality in technology. Bad quality just isn't going to do. Low bandwidth and things locking up and we're just not going to put up with it because now we have choices. This past year, a lot of tech was just kludgy. It was goofy. You had to figure out really weird ways of how to make things work. This next year, they're going to be more integrated. They're going to be more seamless. They're going to be smoother. They're going to be more capable. And word of mouth, is still is one of your biggest assets to learn about, to test to try to implement new tools for your digital presence. So big idea one, just a quick summary. The pandemic tested the breadth and depth of our relationships. Big idea number two, I believe your digital relationship mindset, skill set, and tool set would set you apart. Here's big idea three. You ready? I call it the North Seven sequence. And in thinking about big idea one and two, right? Depth of your relationships and leading with digital relationships first and foremost. Here's seven sequence, seven steps that I believe will serve you well in terms of identifying, building, nurturing digital relationships this next year. You're ready? Here we go. And sequence number one, you have to have a growth strategy, I believe your most valuable relationships want to help you. They don't know how to help you. So you have to start by talking about your growth strategy. Where are you going? How do you plan to get there? Number two, based on that vision and path, here's where I'm going, here's how I'm going to get there. Based on that strategy, that vision, and the path of how you'll get there, you need a set of prioritizing pursuits. Is that growth strategy broken down to three to five prioritized pursuits? Because if you try to chase everything, you'll get nothing done. These should also serve as guardrails to help you stay relevant. Because here's the thing I've learned over the years. We'll make a whole bunch of to-do lists. Very few people make, you know, make stop-doing lists. We want to meet a whole bunch of new people Very few people make a list or a profile of this is my ideal relationship. So what are those prioritized pursuits? You may have heard me talk about this. I spoke with a CEO once who told me they had 69 priorities. And I respectfully said, you have no priorities. You cannot be everywhere. You yourself as an individual are not scalable. So how will you focus? And if you focus on fewer things... I distinctly remember a mentor telling me you'll get further if you go 45 miles an hour in one direction than try to go 90 miles an hour in five different directions. So what are those prioritized pursuits? Number three, what's your dynamic relationship ecosystem? So when you take your handful of relationships and figure out who will enable you to get there, that's a relationship ecosystem. Who's the most relevant talent capability that you can map to those priorities. So here's my growth strategy. Here's where I'm going. Here's how I'm going to get there. Based on that, here are my three to five prioritized pursuits this year. Based on those three to five, here is Joe, Sam, Steve, Hector, Lewis, who have these capabilities, and they're the most relevant to this priority. So you start to map those priorities to relationships. And by the way, dynamic because if the priority changes or that perception of that relationship, for whatever reason, isn't aligned with that priority, you can modify the list. Let's say Sam is capable, but just not willing or doesn't have the bandwidth or has his own set of challenges and opportunities this year. And he won't be able to commit to working with you, collaborating with you, supporting you, helping you, whatever the case may be. Now I want to dynamically change Sam out and bring Susan in. So growth strategy, number one. Number two, prioritize pursuits. Number three, dynamic relationship ecosystem. Number four, allocating resources. When I say resources, most people think of money, capital. I would submit it's as much of your time and effort as it is capital. What amount of time, amount of effort, amount of capital Can I make available to my relationship ecosystem to support me executing my priorities? What are the tasks that keep rearing their ugly heads? How do I also become more efficient? This is not a switch, it's a dial. How do I dial up more time for this effort and priority and less for others? How do I dial up more effort, more consistent effort, concerted effort? How will you choose to invest that time, effort, capital? But if you don't provide resources, if you don't allocate resources to those relationships, you're starving them of that oxygen. You're starving them of the desperately needed resources. By the way, these ideas apply as much within an organization as they do external to it. So if you don't give people – and I hate budget seasons – Because we always go high, knowing it's going to get cut, and then we'll come in somewhere in the middle, versus zero-based budgeting every year that says, we're going to start from zero, and we're going to be intentional about where we choose to invest. And by the way, some incredible companies are very capable of doing that, so don't tell me that can't be done. Same thing with your relationships and your priorities. What resources do those relationships need? And again, it could be first and foremost your time, but also effort and capital, to help you accomplish those priorities. Five, establish OKRs. If you haven't heard of OKRs, stands for objectives and key results, basically breaking down your priorities into monthly and weekly objectives and really staying focused on key results. One of the biggest assets in your portfolio relationships that they should become enablers of your performance, execution and results. Not just you know a lot of people, not just the soft skill, not just it will be nice to have more friends. That's great. Nothing wrong with those. But in the business context, the biggest value out of a lot of those relationships to help you move the needle on whatever you're working on. Ideally, it's your personal and professional growth. So what are the metrics? What are the milestones that you set out for yourself? And and you've heard of SMART goals, you know, specific and measurable and achievable and realistic and time-bound. Love that. SMART goals, right? Here's the problem. SMART goals undervalue ambition. They focus very narrowly on individual performance. And by the way, they ignore the importance of discussing your goals throughout the year. So I want you to think of not just SMART, but also FAST goals. You ready? FAST, frequently discussed. Goals should be embedded in ongoing discussions to review your progress, allocating resources that prioritize initiatives and feedback. You're not going to get that if you, unless you frequently discuss them. Number two, ambitious. Your objectives for this next year should be difficult to achieve. Not impossible, but that's how we grow is when we're ambitious. S is for specific. That one does carry across. So goals should be translated into concrete metrics and milestones. I heard somebody else say the other day, I want to read more. I don't know what that means because it's not specific enough. And I've always believed specificity conveys credibility. Last but not least, transparent. Goals and your current performance against those should be made public. I plan to put my goals, my growth strategy, my prioritized pursuits in front of every relationship this year. Here's where I'm going, here's how I'm gonna get there, here's where I need your help, unapologetically. And that's when you have fast, frequently discussed, ambitious, specific, and transparent goals to go with smart, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. Uh, Andy Grove at Intel initially came up with them. Then you know John Doerr joined Intel and learned it and introduced it to Google. He wrote a book, by the way, called Measure What Matters, great book, and OKR adoption is absolutely on the rise. And it's all about how do we take that growth strategy and those priorities and break them down to objectives and tactics and tasks and focus and commitment to those priorities and aligning and connecting with your relationship ecosystem, tracking for your personal and ideally peer level accountability, And then stretching, remember, ambitious, remember, difficult, right? That's what OKRs are all about. Six, leading drivers, not lagging indicators. You want to start getting into predictive this next year. You want to capture the most relevant leading drivers that your relationships could help with. One of the challenges with looking at last month's report is I can't do anything about last month. Performance reviews make me cringe because I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, much less what I did six, nine, 12 months ago. A, we got to get away from gut feel, right? B, the stuff, rear view mirror isn't as helpful in where you're going. So I want you to think of leading drivers, not lagging indicators. How can we use data to start to predict? Have you heard of sentiment analysis? How people feel about something? Often drives their willingness to act on it. Social, right? Those are all leading drivers. And do you have your finger on the pulse of your progress in real time? And are you able to look ahead? Last but not least, number seven, intentional analysis and course correction. In 2021, if you're going to drive nonlinear growth, you have to balance performing with learning. So data-driven past history is actually uh, dramatically more valuable than gut feel. The problem is we don't make enough time to think. So I coach a lot of my clients uh, on this idea of first Fridays. Take the first Friday of each month and capture What did I learn this past month? What went exceptionally well? What didn't go so well? What will I choose to do differently this next month? Ideally, you're doing it more often than once a month, but let's just start with first Fridays. That's 12 opportunities this year to intentionally think about what went well, what didn't go well, and what do you need to do differently immediately? Not six months from now, not a year from now, today. So that intentional analysis and course correction is going to unequivocally set you apart. So just a quick recap. Your growth strategy is number one. Prioritizing pursuits is number two. A dynamic relationship ecosystem is three. Allocate resources is four. OKRs and smart and fast goals is five. Dashboard of leading drivers is six. Intentional analysis and course correction is seven. Let me leave you with this. I'm a big Gary Hamill fan and I want you to listen to this quote. Strategy doesn't come from a calendar-driven process. It isn't the product of a systematic search for ways of earning above average profits. Strategy comes from viewing the world in new ways. Strategy starts with an ability to think in new and unconventional ways. If you don't think about the global pandemic, As a springboard to think and lead differently, to rethink, reimagine, reinvent key parts of your business, key parts of your condition, key parts of your job, key parts of not just the job you have, but the job you really want. I'm trying to tell you it's a missed opportunity. Ben Kaczynski was one of my professors at Emory grad school, and I love Ben's comment. Hear me now, believe me later. I believe this next year, as Alan Weiss, one of my mentors says, will be a renaissance year. There's a lot of, pent, think about it, pent-up demand. I never thought I'd say this, but I actually miss traveling, right? I miss getting on a plane to go and speak at conferences and go have dinner with clients and go to events and meetings and get out of the house. And I believe there's a lot of pent-up demand for learning and growth and trying new ideas and testing digital first. And you know what? I believe the connective tissue between all that is your strategic relationships. It's your most valuable asset. And 2020 was the year of nonlinear growth. We had to learn how to wash our hands again and learn how Zoom works and interact and engage and influence and get things done even when we physically couldn't get together. I believe 2021, this new year, this new season is exactly the right time to look at the world in new ways and think in new and unconventional ways. So I hope this episode has been of use and interest and value to you. I wanna wish each and every one of you a happy new year. I am so excited about this next season of the Curvebenders podcast. As you'll hear, uh, the book is actually written and in Wiley's hands who are publishing it. And we've got a April pub date and uh I can't wait to finally share several years of research and interviews and conversations and really thinking about this future of work and 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 strategic relationships and this nonlinear growth. so look for that and we'll share more. We're updating our website we're updating our blog by the way newsletter. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, norgroup.com slash newsletter. We've got a completely revamped uh, approach to newsletters, and we're standing up a new private community called Nor Forum. So if you go to norgroup.com slash forum, that's another place where you can learn more and hopefully come be a part of our community. Thanks for joining, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. By the way, three quick points, new season and a renewed commitment to our digital footprint, blog, newsletter, social media. We turn the show notes from these podcasts into more in-depth articles, so you can find those in our completely revamped new blog forthcoming at norgroupcom slash blog. Number two, we're completely revamping our newsletter to make them even more practical and relevant with both a free and a premium version. Check it out at norgroup.com slash newsletter. Lastly, we want to bring the content from these episodes to life. So whether it's a Twitter chat with a guest or live streaming through our Facebook and YouTube channels, or even more recently, a Clubhouse audio conversation, check out our various social media channels with the hashtag Curvebenders for the latest update. As promised in this new season of the Curvebenders podcast, here are the norm notes, summary of this episode, and a practical set of action items in three minutes or less. You can immediately apply. Number one, make the time to go back and capture your own relationship observations from 2020. What went well for you? Where did you struggle? What lessons did you learn? What will you choose to do more of? Again, it's never a switch. It's always a dial. What will you dial up? Do more of? What will you dial back? Do less of? And with whom? Number two, how do you show up digitally? Make a set of goals, action items, step up your digital footprint. Do you have a high-end camera? Have you invested enough lighting? Do you have a decent microphone? Do you have the right background? That digital footprint, digital presence Good enough won't suffice. By the way, it is here to stay. Will we travel some this next year? Yes. Will we do a lot more digitally? You better believe it. So your investment in that digital footprint is an investment in your brand. Number three, go back and capture the seven sequence. On one page, capture your growth goals for this year. How will you learn? How will you grow? How will you move the needle? Go back and create a set of prioritized pursuits. From that growth goal map your most relevant relationships to those priorities what resources time effort capital will you allocate look into dig into read about okrs and break those down into objectives and key results think about a set of your own fast goals Make the time to create a dashboard and really think about those leading drivers and commit to once a month at a minimum to review what's going well and how you make course correction this next year. These are all practical, pragmatic steps you can take to dramatically both elevate your strategic relationships but also garner great enablement of your performance execution results through your relationships next year. Don't forget, three quick points. Number one, I summarized these podcasts into articles and blogs, and you'll find those on our uh, new website, norgroupcom slash blog. Number two, our community, our Norform form community is a great place to come and discuss these topics. I will share some of those insights there as well. You can just go to Norgroup.com slash forum to join our community. Last but not least is our newsletter, Norgroup.com slash newsletter. We're completely revamping the newsletter, including a, a free version, some great discussions and questions in the forum, and a premium paid version. Again, Norgroup.com slash newsletter. Thanks, and we'll see you soon. I'm so grateful for all of our listeners on the Curve Benders podcast. I'd love to hear from you with ideas, with suggestions, with guests you'd love to hear from at this intersection of future of work, strategic relationships, and nonlinear growth. You can simply email podcast at norgroup.com or follow us on various social media channels where I use the hashtag Curvebenders to keep you posted on our latest progress.